And it's good to be here. I'm very thankful for all of you folks here. Some are new faces, some are familiar faces. And I don't ever take it for granted, uh, folks that have supported us and uh, prayed for us and interceded for us. That's one of the greatest systems in the world. It's prayer. Amen. And God has set that thing up to where uh, it'll outdo uh, any satellite <clears throat> by a million light years. And Second uh, Corinthians chapter 1, <clears throat> just to <clears throat> mention this. This is Paul as a missionary in relation to a church. Chapter 1, verse 11. 2 Corinthians 1, 11. Ye, that's uh, Anchor Baptist Church, ye also are helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, Thanks may be given <clears throat> by many on our behalf. So it's one of those things where we're doing the footwork and you're doing the work here and we're all working together. And the Lord gets all the praise uh, because of souls over there in Ukraine getting saved or getting trained or growing in the Lord. And we couldn't do, th do these things without your help. And I understand I worked a job and if I had to work a job in McDonald's, I'd go work a job in McDonald's if I had to. I don't mind working. And so that's the ethics that my dad taught me as a young boy. And I realize some of you folks are working second shift or whatever night. And uh, I don't ever take it for granted every month for the last 30 years on the foreign field uh, in those northern territories of Gog and Magog. And uh, so if it's just a prayer, that's enough for me because that keeps us going. And to know that uh, when I hear someone read our prayer letter, that's a dose of the Holy Ghost in my own heart. So you know it. And so you're getting it right from the man that uh, has um, gotten support. It might be just little kids just writing their names or something like that. I think about that. And sometimes I just, I never had that when I was a boy. I didn't get saved till I was 26. I didn't know who God was until I came out of an Orthodox church in uh, Nichiren Shashu of America. That's a Buddhist uh, thing that um, Tina Turner was into and some others. And I was playing uh, a job. They call him a gig up in the south side of Chicago. And a guy introduced me to Nichiren Shashu Buddhism. And I didn't, know, I, didn't, I didn't know who God was. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know anything about God. But when I met Jesus Christ in Hammond, Indiana at a party, I trusted Jesus Christ. And I know who Jesus Christ is. And I am a Jehovah Witness. A true blue Jehovah Witness. So anyway, <clears throat> I'm very thankful for Brother Elliot and the work that's going on here. And I see he's got a vision. He's trying to get something done so then the next generation can take it and go with it. Yeah. And that you don't drop the ball. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.15 has one, been one of our <clears throat> most important verses and the things that thou hast heard of me. The same commit thou to faithful men who should be able to teach others also. There's five sides in that one verse right there. So whatever side you're at, the th job is now, your job is to get the information now and take that to others so then they get the information knowing that they've got to give it to somebody else. And we live by that verse. And here we are, we had to flee the country. Uh, that'll wake your day up when you hear a bomb going off by your house. Yeah. You know, <laughs> And we got walls that thick of brick and it shaked the house, you know something hit pretty hard. And they're just not made of wood. These are brick houses. And uh, so that kind of 
shed, rattled our cages. And uh, but anyway, uh, we thank the Lord for folks that were praying for us to get out of there. And uh, somebody tried to give me some gaff about that. I said, "Well, David fled, and Paul fled at least a couple of times. And there's a time when you know it's your battle, and there's a time when you know it's not your battle." And so uh, <clears throat> we want to thank the Lord for your help and support. Okay, what we're going to do, let's go to Job for starters, Job chapter 21. Now we go till when, Pastor? Uh, until Jerry rings the bell. <laughs> okay. Jerry well, that'll be about what time? 950? Yeah. Okay. 1050, 1050. <laughs> Job 21. Okay. Job 21. Now, uh, what kind of spirit are we dealing with? Now, you've heard it maybe before. You know, find out what the spirit is in this world and go opposite to it. Okay? And we're dealing with all kinds of wickedness in this wicked world and the unclean spirit versus the Holy Spirit. And what you got <clears throat> is a foretaste uh, before the Great Tribulation while we're still in a in the church age, look what it says in Job 21, verse 12, 21, 12, Job. They take the timbrel and harp and rejoice at the sound of the organ. That's the perversion of the organ. They spend their days in wealth and a moment go down to the grave. Thereby they say unto God. Now, this is the heart attitude what's going on right here in Dayton. Okay. Depart from us, for we desire not, to, not the knowledge of thy ways. You see that? We're getting that in government. We're getting that in education. We're not getting it. It is there. In government, education, your radio broadcasts, your preaching and teaching. In churches today, they want less and less of God's word because they're, they're changing the word of God. I didn't know you guys have American standard here. Yeah. You guys are using the bathrooms, and that's God's joke and humor on these fake Bibles. American standard. Boy, I tell you, God has got a sense of humor. American standard. <clears throat> well, now look what it says here. What is the Almighty that we should serve Him? You see that? It doesn't make sense to serve God. If you're not living by faith, that's your verse right there. The devil wants to zap faith right out of your heart. And what profit shall we have if we pray unto Him? And people are right about their kids getting raised and getting the education. The best education your kids will ever get is a Bible education. And you teach them that book every day, and you stay tough to that thing right there, and you leave that to God, no matter what kind of education they get. Now, the education system, that's Pharaoh over there, and he said, well, leave the kids. So the next generation, Brother Elliot was talking about this, next generation, they're after your hide. And what we're supposed to do is acknowledge God's presence. They want to kick them out of the government, prayer, education, this and that and the other, and kick God out. So you create a, a, a vacuum. All right, now go over to chapter 22 and verse 15. 22, 15. Hast thou marked the old way which wicked men have trodden, which were cut down out of time, whose foundation was overflown with a flood? Jesus Christ said, as it was in the days of Noah, right? Well, here it is. God's giving you the bead of the heart attitude and the spirit before the flood came. And before we get out of here, we're seeing all these trademarks right now, this kind of spirit right here. Which said unto God, depart from us, 
And what can the Almighty do for them? You see that question mark? That's Satan at his best. Question mark, question mark. So you got these question marks. And so, uh, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we just ask and pray that uh, you just bless this hour, speak to our hearts, may the Holy Spirit move uh, and uh, prick our consciences, our hearts. And Lord, we plead the blood right now, purge our consciences from dead works and fill us with your Holy Spirit of God. Teach us something, God. May we, may, may we acknowledge your presence here with us, dear Lord God. And we ask and pray these things that uh, uh, maybe some sinner might get saved. Or, Lord God, uh, we'd get edified and especially you'd be glorified. And we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. All right. <clears throat> I call this the presence of God. You don't have to quit. The presence of God. You don't have to quit. Now, let's go over to the book of Acts. 18. Now, this is Paul in action. Paul is our pattern. I love a cut above. You know, if you see sports, a cut above. I like a guy that's a cut above the rest of the crowd. Well, to me, Paul is a cut above. Amen. He wasn't just the normal. He was a cut above. You take a guy like uh, Tom Brady. I guess he played, uh, he was from California, went to school in Michigan. Well, I, I know you don't like that. Uh, and then he ends up over at uh, New England and then down in... T uh, I want to find out his training routine, not just how he works out in the field there. I mean, this baloney that's going on out in the field, you know, a team might be down 30 to nothing, and the guy on the losing team makes a tackle about two minutes left to go in the game, and he does a solo Watusi out there in the on, on the field. It's all hot dog in performance today, you know? But I like a guy, I want to know his routine what he does in the background. And so what I found out about him, he's always looking at videos and checking out defenses. He's trying to get uh, the, the position of the enemy so he knows how to attack. And any soldier, any sailor, if you don't know the position of your enemy, you're had, and they're going to get you. And so Paul, as great as a Christian this man was, he needed God's presence. And uh, we're going to look at uh, some things in the book of Acts and understand how it was that Paul could keep going. It wasn't he was some superman. He's just made of flesh like you and me, a weak human being called of God. But we'll see here in the book of Acts, uh, this man in action and what kept him going. And to <clears throat> he was coming out of heathen paganism. We're going back into it. Remember the circle? Man, movement. Machine, monument, then what? Well, the last one's paganism. Then you start all over. We're going back into that. And so we have to deal with that kind of a spirit. Now, the Lord's on our side. If you're saved, can you say amen? amen. Well, the Lord's on your side. Amen. He wants to get you and me through, and he wants you to acknowledge his presence. Uh, an atheist was talking to a Christian, and the Christian was trying to tell him that God is everywhere. And the atheist said, uh, I know where God is not. And the Christian said, where is God not? And that atheist looked at him and said, in the thoughts of many Christians. Now, when you're driving in your car, you're going down the road. Do you acknowledge his presence right there in the car with you? Or are you so busy with all these street signs? That you, God's the last one you're thinking about. You're thinking about the clock. You're thinking about the stop, uh, the stop sign, the, the, the red light, the green light, the accident there, the police, and this and that and the other. I was trying to, 
I forgot who I was trying to talk to on the telephone yesterday, and there was about 20 motorcycles that went right by him. You know, and I heard, hey, Perry, how you doing? He was out. <laughs> Couldn't hear him. Distractions. It's hard to just have a presence uh, of your mind and your conscience on the presence of God. Amen. It's a battle. So Acts chapter 18, <clears throat> and this is Paul. We'll read some, we'll read a little bit this morning. Uh, it says here in verse 1, After these things Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born of Pontius, lately come from Italy, and his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them, and because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit, testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from henceforth. I will go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. It was close. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, be not afraid, to, uh, but speak, and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall sit on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. And when Gallio was the deputy of Achaia, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuadeth men to Worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was now about to open his mouth, Gallio said unto the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O ye Jews, reason would that I should bear with you. But if it be a question of words and names and of your law, look ye to it, for I will be no judge of such matters. And he drave them from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the chief ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat, and Gallio cared for none of those things. So we'll stop right there. So here's Paul. He's in a fix. Corinth was a wicked city. And uh, if you said you were a Corinthian, you were an infamous person. It was the uh, capital of that area. Uh, it was a wicked place and uh, lustful. And um, <clears throat> it was a commercial city. It was a center of sin. I came from North uh, Calumet City, right next to Hammond, Indiana. They used to call that Sin City. When I got saved, I walked down state line where I walked right on between Illinois and Indiana, and those were places where Al Capone used to go, and you had uh, bikers there and stuff, and I didn't know anything about anything. I didn't even have a King James Bible in my hand. I knew one thing. I was saved, Amen. and I witnessed, and I'd go up to all kinds of people. There was one girl I went to school with. She was selling her body on the street. I went on a foreign field. I came back. I saw her in the choir at First Baptist of Hammond. Amen. And I don't know what else the Lord had done there, uh, but uh, just started witnessing. Well, here's Paul. He's in a really difficult situation, like many of God's people today. An extremely Difficult situation, a difficult time. Rome was persecuting, persecuting Jews. Anti-Semitism was all over the place, and Paul was a Jew. 
And so Paul needed encouragement. Now look at it says in verse 9 and 10. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. A lot of times it'll happen in the middle of a night where God wakes you up. And sometimes if you can't sleep, it's just best to pray. Read your Bible. You say you can't sleep, pray. You say I'm hurting, pray. You say I don't know what to do, pray. Just keep on and uh, pour it out. Pour your soul out. Pour your heart out. You don't have any strength, pray. You're on your back, pray. Oh, God, help me. Uh, David had to do that until they were about to kill him. He had no strength. And within about three or four verses, he went up and he went and recovered all from those Amalekites. Had no strength. He cried all night. So you got Paul here. Be not afraid, but speak. and Hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. So how is it that we can acknowledge God's presence? Uh, because when you start short-circuiting, they got these blackouts going every four hours in certain parts of Ukraine right now. And very hard for a lot of people to function, especially if you're in a culture where you're always used to electricity. Blackouts, 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 no, no electricity. And so here's Paul. He's in a very difficult situation. He needed encouragement. He needed to be reminded of God's presence. And so how is Jesus or God with you? You know, in Ukraine, they say, when you get done with a conversation, they say, Sbogum. No, that little sound, S, like the sound S, that means with. Now, the greatest word for training, the key to all training in this book right here is a four-letter word. W-I-T-H, with. I've read, I've read uh, books on training others, and I've read some. I, by the time you get done with the book, you don't know where you're at. I say, okay, Lord, here I go. Where do I start? <laughs> but I found a word when I was searching. The Lord gave it to me. W-I-T-H. That's the key to all training. Now, a local New Testament church is God's most important organization, not YouTube or Internet. Now, I'm not against those things. Amen. Use them, but don't abuse them, right? But nothing will substitute a, lo a local New Testament Bible-believing Baptist church where you're here with the shepherd. The shepherd's with the sheep. Uh, a trainer is with his trainee. A, a wife is with her husband. Those children are with their parents. And that is the key to all training. You don't have to turn there, but Acts, Acts 16, Paul said, I would that he took Timothy, that Timothy would be with him. They noticed when those disciples were preaching, uh, <clears throat> they, they had noticed that they had been with. with Jesus Christ. You see that? That's the key. Enoch walked the Lord. It says it twice. Enoch walked. And it says about Noah. Noah walked. That's the key to all training and training. If you're not on the same page with a person, you get short-circuited there. So we, what we've done is where we train men, we wanted them to train others, but they have to be with us. They have to be on the same page. It takes sacrifice from both sides. Biblical Christianity is with your with and your rubbing shoulders, virtues passing, you're getting stuff across, and some of the greatest things that I was able to say, it may not have been much, but it was with when somebody was with me and I was eating pizza. 
You know, Martin Luther, some of the greatest times he had were called table talks when some of his trainer, trainees uh, were with him, the trainer. It wasn't in the university there in Berlin. I've seen that, and I saw the cell where he was, where Frederick took him, and they put him in that um, castle, and he spent his time. He'd go up from the mountain there. He'd go down in the valley down, and he'd talk with the people. He'd put a beard on. He made like he was somebody else. He'd go back. He'd take that beard off, and he started translating. And so... <clears throat> He walked with God. And there was no possible way, if he didn't have God in his conscience, he could have stood before that Roman emperor. The whole key to training, folks, is one four-letter word, W-I-T-H. And I see that all over the Bible now. And it's just amazing how so much opens up when you see that word there, with. And so uh, <clears throat> you got Paul here. Now, how the question is, how is Jesus with you? Well, let's start doctrinally, because all Scripture first is for doctrine. Well, he's with you judicially forever. If you got saved, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And that's in uh, Colossians where you have the word Laodicea mentioned five times. Now, why would God put it in that book right there? Colossians. Well, Colossians is the seventh book, the, the epistle of the apostle Paul. The seventh book in the entire Bible is Judges. Now, do you know what the Bible says? The last comment there in the book of Judges, that's the seventh book of the Old Testament, it says everybody did that which was right in his own eyes. Do you know what the Colossians have had a problem with? When you read about the Laodiceans over there in Revelation 3, it says they had to anoint their eyes. They got a problem with their eyes. They're not seeing God in his presence by faith. They're walking by sight. That's the problem today we got. We got television and this and that, and everybody's so used to taking their thumbs or their fingers and clicking and seeing stuff, they don't want to hear anymore. They want to see it. You got to be really careful about that. If that's stealing some of your time, uh, that technology will take you. Instead of you using it, it'll be using you and dictating to you what you ought to be doing before God, the invisible I like that over there in Hebrews chapter 11, 27. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the king, seeing him who is invisible. And without faith it is impossible to please God. And then you take the flip side. It's impossible not to please God if you are walking by faith. So then when you're walking by faith and you take a little step, it may not be a big step. When you take that little faith a step, God is obligated to manifest himself right to you personally. That's the God you and I worship. You take that little step, he's obligated because God created four basic laws. There's one law, well, we take the natural laws like, uh, they call it gravity. Call it what you like. Okay, gravity. Go down. That's a law. And uh, there's a law of sin and death. There's two. Then there's the law of life in Christ Jesus. That's Romans chapter 8. Then you got the law of faith, Romans 3.27. The law of faith. Now God not only creates a law, He enforces it. He's the enforcer of the law of faith. So when you take one little step of faith and you don't see God, but you acknowledge His presence, and we're going to see how God would manifest Himself to this man who's supposed to be a pattern to the body of Christ, the Apostle Paul. How God, when Paul had that little minute step of faith, or he was wobbling in his faith, God would show up and help him, encourage and pick him up and get him on down the road. And so you talk about a guy that had to cut through all the gaff coming out of all the heathen paganism of, of Greek, Greco-Roman society and all that, all that garbage. So 
Colossians 1.27. I wanted to get into Colossians. Now we're just going to uh, get through these as fast as we can. It's already, wow. Uh, 127. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Boy, I tell you, that's a good encouragement. Know that God that created heaven and earth through Jesus Christ, he's in you right now for all eternity. And you don't have to doubt that because once you got saved, he cut that body of flesh off your soul. Your soul, you got Jesus Christ, the creator, right in that soul. And when you're in jail or you've been beat up and you're left for dead and this and that and the other, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Persecution. I believe one of the reasons why the apostle Paul wanted to go to Rome, because he fled a couple times, because he had that conscience of Stephen getting killed and dying a martyr's death, because when he was left for dead, he was up there in the body or out of the body, he couldn't tell. When he came down, he said, I'm not going to be let down in the basket anymore. I'm going to face death and I'm going to die for Jesus Christ. He got a dose. And after a while, it worked on him to the point to where he wasn't going to run anymore. <clears throat> and so you got here in Acts 23. Let's go to Acts 23. Now watch the Lord show up. <clears throat> Acts 23. Acts 23. And we'll start at verse uh, 10. Now, this is Paul in defense before the council in Jerusalem, and he splits that council. It says there in verse 10, and when there arose a great dissension, the captain, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and to take him by force from among them and to bring him into the castle. Watch this. And the night, there it is again, following the Lord stood by him and said, be of good cheer, Paul. For as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. So he's going to Rome. He got a dose of God Almighty's presence right there. And uh, God had to manifest himself to him because God saw his heart. And so here's God manifesting himself in the life of the Apostle Paul to get him through all these difficult situations. Pressure, uh, persecution, and so on and so forth. And so, <clears throat> let's go to chapter 27. Here's the Apostle Paul. Now, here's a shipwreck. How many of you have ever been on the ocean on a ship? Two? How many of you don't want to be on a ship? <laughs> I tell you, folks, I, being on a ship out there sometimes, well, well, pastor, he knows what that's like. I've always had this freaky idea. I think these jaws are just waiting for me down there. I don't know I'd rather go up in a plane and crash than, I don't know. <clears throat> anyway, chapter 27. This is Paul. I don't know, this may have been his second shipwreck, third shipwreck. I don't know, he had at least two. And it says here, verse 21, chapter 27, verse 21. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by this night an angel of God, who was I am, and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. So here's, 
God showing up. And you know, when Paul was in Rome, he made it to Rome. That was the time of his departure there at Rome. Now, when you go to an airport, you got arrivals and, well, that, was, that airport ought to remind you that you and me, that the, we're getting close to the time of our departure out of this wicked old hellhole. And uh, so God was manifesting himself to Paul to let him know, uh, Paul, I'm with you. You're going to do this. This is the task. Here's the job. What you're going to do. God was always giving him handfuls of purpose and manifesting himself to uh, the apostle Paul. So here's Paul in Rome, in jail. He, he had nobody else around him except a soldier watching him, a centurion. And I believe that's where maybe he got that idea of in Ephesians to, you know, the whole armor of God. And <clears throat> he says, at my first answer, they all left me. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood, W-I-T-H, with me. And he was as bold as a lion. Like Daniel in them, that lion's den. But no, it wasn't Daniel in the lion's den, folks. It was the lions in Daniel's den. Amen. Amen. No matter where you're at, you're by yourself. Don't forget, there's one more with you. Now, I don't know how many here are in this place right here. But there's one more here. Now, you get in your car, or just think and stop a minute. There's one more in here. Uh, I go out in the parking lot here down the street. I said, these streets are yours, Lord. I want to talk with them. Got something in my heart. I want to talk to God. Go down the back road there. That street's yours, God. I can't see in them houses, but you're in them houses right now. And you know, everything going on. This block is yours. This building's yours. And when you give it to God... You can settle down. When you acknowledge God's presence, I was in a jail in, in Escambia County. I said, you know, God is no less here in this jail than he is in a church. If you're saved, he's just as much in the heart right there than he is in a church where a guy is saved in a church. God's no respecter of persons. And so, <clears throat> uh, David Livingston 1856, uh, he was surrounded by a bunch of uh, beatniks, a bunch of cannibals, and they wanted to kill him. The date was January 14th. They wanted to do him in. And for some reason, they didn't do that. And uh, some time went by later, and some of those folks started getting saved one by one, and the chief of the tribe got saved himself. So David Livingston, he goes back uh, Scotland, <clears throat> he's on furlough, and a guy comes up to him with a prayer book here. And uh, when David Livingston asked that cannibal, he said, why didn't you folks kill me? He said, because we saw 47 soldiers surrounding your house, surround, that surrounded your house. And Livingston said, I don't, didn't have 47 soldiers around my house. He goes back to Scotland, and this guy comes up to him, he's got this prayer book, and that guy calls the date and the day. And Livingston says, so what of it? And that guy said, that night we had 47 men praying for you. Now that's the Lord's presence, folks. <clears throat> okay, so he's with you in person. He's with you in providence. Let's go back to Acts chapter uh, 18. 
Now look what it says in verse 2. Acts 18, verse 2. It says, and found a certain Jew, Aquila, born in Pontius, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. Now look at that. You see, Paul, he leaves Athens. He goes to Corinth, a wicked city. You had all the philosophers up there in Athens. You got all these workers and this lust and everything there in Corinth, a wicked, infamous city. And uh, so he meets, of all people, some Jews. Now, I don't know if you're from the South and uh, you, f you find some folks up here that are from the South, you got this camaraderie going on. Or when a, a Yankee goes down South and he finds some more Yankees down there South, he's got this camaraderie, you know. And uh, <clears throat> so here's Paul, a Jew. He's in uh, Corinth. And here comes this, this couple. They're Jews. You got, you got a negative thing going on over there from Claudius, kicking out Jews because of anti-Semitism. And you got Paul coming from another direction, go from Athens going to, to Corinth, and they meet. He didn't expect to meet those people. What is that? That's God's presence in his providence. He's always looking out for you. When you think, oh, God, I don't know where I'm going. Uh, Abraham didn't know where he was going, but God was leading him. He went out not knowing whither he went, but God was with him. You see that? By faith. And so, and of all things, their, their trade was the same. Now, can you imagine what kind of comfort that is to the Apostle Paul? He's saying, wow, I met some Jews. Not only that, they got the same kind of job I've got. Doesn't the word war in the Lord good? He works like that, folks. He's doing more abundantly than he can ever ask or think. And then, he, and then Paul, of course, he had a cook. Someone was cooking for him, probably Miss, Miss, Mrs. was uh, cooking for him. And he was a tent maker and they were tent makers. Paul was a Jew, they were Jews. He was saved and they were saved. Saying, wow, Lord, you got the thing all set up for me here. That's the Lord's providence. And he's saying to you, I'm with you. You see, you make a move, I can up the ante. You make another move, I can up the ante. You make another move, I can up the ante. All right. Uh, well, there's so much we can get out of this here. Third thing, how is God with you? Well, he's with you with his people. Paul, now we won't go there. You could write these references down. Philippians 4.15, Paul was in a Roman jail and Epaphroditus shows up. Paul is with Silas and Timothy. They stayed in Berea. Paul was with Timothy uh, when they came from Macedonia. Paul and Justice and Crispus. We just read about that in Acts 18. He's bringing somebody into your life to let you know he's with you. That's God's people in your life. Now, if you made a list of all the people God has brought into your life to keep you here in church, you'd have a pretty long list, wouldn't you? Or keeping you in the will of God. Have you ever stopped and thought about that? From the day you got saved, God supplied your need. He brought somebody in your life. Maybe they don't believe exactly like you, but it was enough to get you down the road and stay on the right road. Right? That's our God. And that's how he shows his presence by the people he sends into your life. And there might be something they say negative. And they may even say something. They don't even know what they're saying. But it might be one word, and it was just enough to get your conscience to click and put it in gear and get you down the road. Amen? Oh, man, I tell you, God is so good. God is so good. 
All right, well, God is with you in his power. Well, we can talk about power and uh, spaceships. They got the force of about 170 million horsepower, right? And AA fuelers go down. I used to go to the drag ship and the U.S. 30 drag ship in, uh, near Indiana, in Indiana. You know, dragsters back, Big Daddy, Don Garlitz, and all these other guys back in the 60s. And, <laughs> and my brother started out with mini bike go-karts and mini bikes. He's a motorhead. He could... Now he flies planes. He could put together an engine and, uh, and take it apart blindfolded, you know, hit a deer. He, he, he totaled the plane out and hit a deer, and the insurance company gave him all kinds of money. He bought the, bought the plane back for about 200 bucks and rebuilt the whole plane. Now he's flying it. So, so uh, modern power, you know, power lifters, you know, power. How much horsepower is that in this power? Well, what about resurrected power to keep you from going to hell? What about the power of the gospel? You know, I like, like Brother Elliot said, uh, you like to look at faces when you're preaching at them. Now, you, you guys topped it yesterday. I mean, we, we were at that intersection, and this guy in a red, he's sitting on the passenger side with his hand on the window open like this, and we're not but five yards away from him, and I forgot who was preaching uh, to this, this elderly man. He, he looked like he, he ran into a wall or something, you know, and, you know, he, and he... he and he's looking at, he looked at the preacher, and he had, I think, that was tops. The ugliest face I ever saw and his reaction when he heard that brother preaching. I mean, it was, you know, it was a, I mean, it's some deformed dog that got hit or got by a train or something, you know. And this guy, he's sitting there. He doesn't know what to do. <laughs> I had to laugh at that because this brother, I think he's just second time out there on the street preaching the word of God. <laughs> And you see these faces, these guys, you know, and they're looking at you. And I don't know what it is around here, but I, I like to wave at folk. And they, I don't know what that is. And then sometimes when you're not waving, they'll wave at you. If you go down south, a lot of them, you know, they'll just wave. They don't, they don't know who you are. So I just get in the habit of waving at everybody, you know. So this, these cars go by. I was in Minnesota. And I'm waving at everybody. And they're looking at me like, this freaked out face, like I said, all I'm doing is saying hello. What's wrong with that? And so anyway, this guy yesterday, that was great. That was tops. I mean, I'm going to remember that throughout all eternity, that face. I mean, it was deformed, and he just couldn't stand that brother out there preaching the Word of God. And I tell you what, for street preaching, folks, that's the oldest ministry in the Bible. So don't underestimate it. Where's the bell? Or You're late. It's already 1050. That's it. Time's up. Well, let me give you the, the power, the power of a personal witness. I know of a guy that came up to a, a, a girl. She was witnessing. He said, you shut up or I'll cut your throat. She put the track right on his knife. That's power, folks. An uh, old lady got in her car in the parking lot of a store, and uh, some bandits wanted a robber to come on the uh, passenger side, and she said, you can't scare me with heaven, son. She smiled at him, and he took off. That's the power of God, folks. And we need that power today. That's how God is with you in the power of his presence. Amen. Thank you much.